As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. It is your Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. We're live for you on this Monday. It's a three-headed monster. It's Mendez. It's McKenzie. It's Lazarus. Here we go. Who's ready for an hour of some fun hockey talk here? This is where both of you say, not me. Not me. Uh, usually, usually when you have me on, it's not fun, to be honest with you. It's usually something horrible we have to talk about. So. Yeah, exactly. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, it is that. But then there's like that one instance where it is something fun. And then like we just let Mark go full Mark. And it's like super entertaining the whole time. You, you never let Mark go full Mark. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Oh, okay. you, right. Well, you know what, though? We yeah, do have some fun. We should have told us that early. <laughs> yeah. We do have some fun stuff, though, to, to get to. Look, there's there's an outdoor game later this week where we may not have Connor McDavid. We got some Evander Kane stuff to get to. Uh, Jesse Granger is going to drop by later. I I do want to ask you, though, Laz, on the weekend, I mean, it took Connor Bedard all of 90 seconds to score in his home debut. And I want you to take Julian and I and the listeners through. Connor Bedard's home debut to get something like that 90 seconds into a game. 
Well, I mean, it was pretty crazy all day. You know, the, the Blackhawks, like so many teams do, they do the red carpet and all that. And this is the first time in, in a few years now. I know nobody feels any sympathy for Blackhawks fans, but this is the first time in a few years that uh, that there's been excitement around this team. And it's all because of Bedard. I mean, every jersey they sell is Bedard. You know, f- like 40, 50 percent of the people in the building had Bedard jerseys on. Uh, 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 you know, it's only a matter of time before they start selling Bulls jerseys with Bedard on it just to keep selling things. And the excitement there was palpable. You know, the, the Hawks opened with that five-game road trip. I was wondering if that was going to kind of stunt some of the excitement, but it didn't. I mean, people were there. They were ready. Uh, during introductions, he got by far the loudest cheer, not surprisingly. And then uh, for him to score 90 seconds in, I mean, it felt like the old days. It felt like 10 years ago when the roof was coming off the place, the way that place exploded when he scored. I mean, he was so wide open in the slot when Taylor Hall kind of dug that puck out of the corner. He had all day to shoot, but he didn't hesitate. And you know, he took that shot. That's the shot we've been waiting for, right? This is his first goal uh, where he scored a goal like that, right? Where he scored a, just a straight up me against a goalie. I'm going to beat you. Um, his first goal was a wraparound. This one was the first time where we really saw what he can do. Uh, and it was impressive. And the place went nuts. And, you know, it, it, it didn't really matter that the Hawks lost that game. They hung with the Knights for two periods, which is more than anyone had reason to expect. And you got to see Connor Bedard score. So everybody left that place happy. Uh, rate the uh, jersey file on a scale of one to egregious. Someone wearing a Chicago Bulls Connor Bedard '98 jersey. Yeah. There's so many jersey fouls out. I, I saw one person. She was wearing it was a, just a re- standard red Blackhawk sweater, right? On the yeah. left arm, it said ten. On the right arm, the number was thirteen. And on the back, it said fifteen. And the nameplate said Dynasty. Dynasty. What? Dynasty. Oh, like I, I, I'm a oh. pariah. Look, look, I'm a no. pariah in Chicago for a lot of reasons, but one of them is I will die on this hill that the Blackhawks of the early 2010s were not a dynasty. They never even won two in a row. They were the team of the decade. They were a dominant run. They, dynasties don't like yield power and then take it back two years later. That's not like how the Mings did it, you know? They're, they, that, that's not a dynasty. And everyone here wants to call dynasty, and it drives me insane. Because I, I, I just, I, I used to, my, my dad, you know, I grew up in Islanders fan, and my dad had right. on the wall, the Newsday covers from all four of the Islanders Stanley Cups in the early 80s, uh, which were, I was zero, one, two, and three when those happened. Don't remember them. And I remember it said, that now there are three cup, now they're a dynasty and there were three Stanley Cups there. And that's been in my head since I was three years old, basically. And I can't get over the fact that people want to call a team that never even repeated the dynasty. You know what I love is that Instead of just using that as your example, you use the Ming Dynasty. You're like, the, <laughs> you should have just well, used the a more famous dynasty than the Ming Dynasty. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so look, Bedard, like, we were wondering, was this young man going to come out of his shell? Because he was very guarded in training camp. Like, do you guys even know who he's living with? Because that that was at one point that was the running joke. Is he wasn't even saying who he was living with? Have you guys extracted that out of him? First of all, I love the crawl on the bottom of the screen right now. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Blackhawks were no Ming Dynasty. Big, big news, big news. Yeah, freaking. Um, uh, yeah. I, I don't know who he's living with. He won't say. I mean, we all think we know, but, you know, we're, he doesn't want it out there, then we're not going to put it out there, really. It's not like it's not like it's real news with who he's living with unless they want to share. You know, we always like to write those stories. You know, Kirby Doc lived with Brent Seabrook and his family and – you know, uh, Alex Nylander was living with Robin Leonard. Everybody loves those stories. Sidney Crosby living with Mario. But uh, he doesn't want him out there. He's a private guy. For someone who talks literally every day, I mean, he is out there once, twice a day doing media. Um, he, he he wants to be private. And, he, you know, we respect that. That's that's fine. I got no problem with that. So is there, like, anything beyond him loving hockey that 
you know about Connor Bernard from just being around him, being in the room, like something we wouldn't, something you have to be in the room to know about Connor. Not really. <laughs> There's not a lot out there. Like I was talking to Nick Felino, and he said that what he likes about Bedard is that he doesn't play video games, which is incredibly rare for a kid his age. He doesn't play video games. So, you know, Felino's like, thank God I don't have to talk about Fortnite or anything with him. Uh, like he just, he lives and breathes hockey. He's an 18 year old. I mean, he can't do much yet. Right. And you're 18. You know, there's not a lot you can do, especially when you're arguably the most, you know, one of the most famous people in the city already. Granted, he looks like a, you know, a kid walking around, but he's very recognizable already. His face is on billboards and everything. Um, I, he, we don't know much about him beyond the hockey. I mean, he seems like he's loosening up a little bit. He's a little, he, he's starting to recognize those that are there every day and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll crack a joke. He'll, he'll challenge you if you say something like if you give him a, when we were in Denver, uh, it was, they had a practice in Denver and there was just, you know, the four of us core people on the beat. And uh, finally a chance to kind of have a little give and take and some follow-up questions. And I was asking him if, you know, I was looking at the numbers and he was shooting from too far away. Like he was averaging 28 feet distance and Austin Matthews was averaging 14 and he's supposed to be Austin Matthews like with his shot. And I asked him, I'm like, are you, can you not get away with that here? Like you can in the WHL, the goalies are just too good. And he looked at me and he just said, I've got a pretty good shot. And I, and I was like, all right, you know, if you, if you think I'm wrong, then he's, he was basically telling me I'll be fine. Don't you worry about me. And then he scored from, I shit you not 29 feet. Yeah. Uh, did he look up? Night, so. Did he point at the press box when he scored? <laughs> this is That's for you, for you soy boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take this, soy boy. Um, this, okay. this kid is not lacking for confidence. Let's put it that way. So, it's great. I, I like a guy who'll do that. He'll challenge you. He won't just accept your premise on 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 face value. So we're doing the show as we mentioned uh, live here for uh, for uh, on, on YouTube and. Joel has written in. We're talking about whether or not Chicago qualifies as a dynasty. Joel oh, says God. maybe with Chelsea Dagger, they're a song dynasty. It's not a knock on the Blackhawks to say they weren't a dynasty. I'm just a pedant, and this is just a literal technical definition of a word that we're talking about. They were the best team of the decade. With, with, with due respect to the Penguins and the Lightning and everybody else, they what they did cannot be minimized. It, it's just not a dynasty. It's just that word means something. Words mean something, damn it. Okay, so Tampa went to three straight cups, twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two. One, two of them. Er, uh, Erno wants to know, Tampa dynasty. You're calling Tampa a dynasty then? Well, that, they, Erno's they're, wondering. They're the they closest qualify? thing. They, like his question says, are they the closest? Team yeah. Yet? Yes, they are the closest thing. They came one series went away from being a true dynasty. So, in three, fact, I don't think there, there hasn't been number? a dynasty since the Islanders, really, right? There hasn't been a three-time champion since the Islanders. Well, what about Detroit? They won in 97, 98, and 02. Nope. 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 Pittsburgh, 92, 93, or 91, 92, no? Nope. Two in a row. David Volek prevented that dynasty. Edmonton, four in five years. Five no, and seven. That's, that's okay. the best. That's the best argument, right? Is, it, is if if that's not a dynasty and it's not, then nothing. But it is. Dynasty, the Oilers right? winning five times in seven years is a that's dynasty. Crazy. Guy. How's that Come not on. a dynasty? Do are you, you that? Are you I need, that? Okay. I am that yes, really, I am that pedantic. Yes. Like he's I'll, using really the need them to win consecutive. So basically, if I'm getting this, if a team wins at least three consecutive trophies, they're a dynasty. That should be a dynasty. Yeah, it should mean something. Words have meanings. But and what dynasty. about the idea? What about the idea that a team can win and still be among the most dominant teams in that era yeah, for we a need long another word period for of time? We need a better word for it because dynasty means What's wrong something. with dynasty? Because dynasties don't cede power in the middle of their dynasty. That's not how dynasties work. 
the Habsburgs didn't just go, all right, we're going to sit this year out. Like, that's just not how things work. I, I mean, you have to, you have to rule for somebody at least three punch years. in, but it's dynasty it's so synonym into, <laughs> into the internet and Team see of the what decade. comes up. You know, whatever you want to call them, that's fine. But the like, we need a word for that. I agree. I've been having this argument with Hawks fans on Twitter for a decade now. We need a word for it because it's not a dynasty, but it's still incredibly impressive and dominant and good and great and hard to do. Uh, just oh. all right. If we spell now, we're spelling Habsburgs wrong in the crawl. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> that's I mean, half. Like, uh, <laughs> that's half the Habs and half Pittsburgh. That's what a Habsburg yeah. is. That's a Montreal <laughs> Habsburgs. It's a Montreal in <laughs> Pittsburgh <laughs> combination. <laughs> Because, like, when you look up the word dynasty, like, it's very easy. I mean, Wikipedia, and I get it, Wikipedia, you can put whatever you want there. But you, you recognize teams, even that if they don't win consecutively, if they've been dominant yep. for a stretch of time, that's enough to consider them as a, 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 a dynasty. And I, I would, I would say that we have, as a society, apparently decided that that's okay. But I still write underway as two words, no matter what the AP style book says. <laughs> they're changing things too fast for me. I'm an old person. I like things the way I like them. And a dynasty should mean something incredibly special. So you don't need consider the word. Golden State Warriors and what they've done no. over the last like seven years of dynasty. They never won more than two in a row, right? They never won more than two in a row. The Patriots, New England Patriots. So the New England Patriots. They never won more than two in a row either, right? They won two in a row, Correct. yeah. But they never they won, won two in a row. They never won more than two in a row. We the Patriots are a perfect example. Like there needs to be a term for what they did in the Brady era, okay. much so, as I hated them. But they did have Eli Manning says you're not a dynasty. We have a couple of suggestions here from the viewers who are okay, taking okay. in this uh, live. Uh Eric how you says, walk me down this road, by the way. How Empire. <laughs> Eric says, what about calling these teams empires? Chicago is an empire. Evil empire. Ooh. Tampa's an empire. Now, there's a negative connotation to that. You always think of like the evil empire, like, you know, like the Red Sox used to call the Yankees. Um, but I like that. That's better because empires suffer losses, right? You know, um, um, you know, the British Empire uh, lost some colonies over the years. So that that's pretty good, actually. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Anthony writes in. Lightning empire. Anthony's got one. He says rain. Okay, uh, rain, rain. rain implies you rule, right? The whole time. That's what I a guess. dynasty is. A dynasty reigns. Yeah. This is important I, I want, stuff. And I do. I've, I've been wanting to find this word for a decade now. I want to know who's going to be the first person to write the Tampa Bay Lightning Empire of the late 20, of the late 2010s, like early 2020. It. It's got a nice ring. It's to early it. 2020s. Yeah, I guess. Remember Gary Bettman. You, you guys, I'm already on thin ice with most of Chicago. You guys are going to run me right out of the city. Okay. Well, listen. Let 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 let's move along because uh, we're gonna we're gonna spend so much time talking about this. Mark Lazarus doesn't believe the Bulls of the nineties were. A the Bulls dynasty. were the Bulls were a dynasty. They, they, were Bulls were they won three. They, they, won, three. they won three yeah. twice. And they as a Knicks fan, as a Knicks yes. fan, I really wanted to blow up that evil empire. So yeah, but they were yes. absolutely two dynasties. Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to run you out the pain in Chicago, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to run you out the pain. Like. I don't know. To me, the Oilers of the 80s were a dynasty, but that's neither here nor there. In fact, Mike Mike is get with the, us. Get this guy out of here, Mike. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah that's right, here. Mike. You don't I'm think it's a right. dynasty? What are uh, you on about? We've turned this into the athletic comment section already. Uh, and look, <laughs> let's talk about a couple of other uh, storylines that happened on the weekend in the NHL. You know, we had somebody tweet at Julian and I, Laz, said, you guys better get Max Boltman on the show. Detroit runs off back-to-back -back yeah. wins against Ottawa. And, and in Calgary, and I said, forget it. We get the next best thing. Forget about getting the guy who currently covers Alex DeBrinket. 
let's get the two guys who used to cover Alex DeBrinkett <laughs> on the pod. Um, look, Laz, you know Alex DeBrinkett really well. I got to know him fairly well last year. He is mild-mannered. He, he is quiet. Julian, he's quiet. He's mild-mannered. Doesn't seek the spotlight. Just like... It was so fascinating. Like, I mean, he got just booed. Like it was, yeah. it was off the charts. And and I don't blame Ottawa fans. Like, like you know, you have at it. You buy a ticket. You do what you want to do. And I, and I think it created a great atmosphere. But what a weekend for DeBrinket. His team beats Ottawa on Saturday. Then he comes back with the hat trick on Sunday. Like right now, guys, there's not a better fit in the offseason, free agency, trade, whatever. Then Alex DeBrinket in Detroit, right? Let, let me let, let me tell you what I you mentioned mild mannered with Alex DeBrinket. He is not mild. He's mild mannered with us. Yes, that is one of the on, most on almost, the ice. almost terrifyingly competitive people. I used to, yeah. you know, at the United Center, you have to walk through their little soccer game through two touch. Uh, when you get to if you get to the rink at a certain time, you always got to walk through it. And Alex DeBrinket is a psychopath sometimes. Like I used to, I used to joke about this with him. He'd be sitting there, this little quiet kid, right? Mr. Quiet guy, just kind of chilling out. Do better. He'd be dropping MFs on these guys, screaming in their faces that they weren't playing too, too touch well enough. Like he wanted to win and he was taunting and like, it was hilarious, but he is so hyper competitive. So he was, I'm sure on the phone with you, like everything he said was true. Like, I don't doubt it. But inside, that guy was just doing victory dances in his head and dropping F-bombs and just going nuts for what he's pulling off early this year. Oh, yeah. Good for him. Absolutely. I'm really happy for him. He's been painted as a villain here, though, in Ottawa. Well, sure. And and, and again, I understand it. But what I always go back to is that, you know, Alex DeBrinkett never asked to be traded to Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And... Ottawa took a gamble. They took a risk on a guy that was set to be a UFA in two years. The clock Isn't that was what we all said? That when they made that trade, we were like, Ottawa, you sure about this? Yep. And they gambled and they lost. But, you know, I think wh- where Alex was disappointed is he felt like all of the blame got put on him. You didn't want to stay. And then I think the, the narrative that hurt him a little bit too was that, you know, you held up a trade. He had no power. He didn't have a no trade clause. Yeah. Um, like he, pay, I think he gave four teams, five teams that he was willing to go to. Uh, they could have traded him to Winnipeg. They could have traded him anywhere. So they sent him home. I mean, they did him a. They favor, sent him yeah. home, and yeah. and and he looks so, so this, happy. This, there. this is this is. I never understand this. We we you know, not, we, I'm using the royal we here as fans. It seems like the blame and the hate always goes on to the player and never the team. Like I, I got a story running tomorrow. If I get a cheap plug in here on Seth Jones. And Seth Jones has Brent Seabrook syndrome right now, where the Blackhawks, Dan Bowman gave him a crap ton of money, and everyone's mad at him for taking it. They're not mad at Stan Bowman for giving him the contract. They're mad at the player for taking it. And it's unfair. There's this weird anti-labor bent in sports fandom, right? Like, even like, you know, this is that, that even if you're like a union household, when it comes to your pro sports, you're pro-billionaire because you want your team to just own these guys and to do whatever you want with them and then. You, you want it to be like the 1940s in baseball where it was like indentured servitude practically, where they just, you owned every aspect of their lives. And I don't understand it. I don't like it and I don't understand it. Alex Dabrinkit had every right to go become a free agent. He signed a contract, he honored the contract, and he wanted to go somewhere else. He's allowed to do that. You're allowed, if you work at a, a some consulting firm and you don't like it, you're allowed to go somewhere else. Why can't pro athletes do that? I never understood that. 
I never got that either. And it and and for me, whenever I see we're on the verge of of any labor strife with a lockout, that's when you see fans act all anti labor for whatever reason. All of a sudden, oh, they're spoiled millionaires. Yeah, yeah, but they but they don't think about the billionaire making yeah. more money, trying to make more money off these players. Maybe it's because of the fact that depending on what market you're in, the billionaire that owns your team is very faceless. Maybe just it's it, you cheer for the team and players just come and go. So it's just a lot easier to to just look at a player and be like, oh, well, you're going to be gone tomorrow. You're just asking for all this money. You're not going to be on this team maybe in 20 years. Who knows? And and especially with hockey, where you're playing for the the crest and the the logo and all that, maybe that plays into the identity. But no, I'm I'm with you guys. Like I think I, I, get, I get every right to do what he Like does. if if you're Columbus or Winnipeg, I get being hurt that Pierre Luc Dubois Absolutely. didn't play in your city. I get yeah. that. And you can be mad. You can be a little bit mad. But like in a situation like this, Alex Dabrinka didn't force anything. He wanted to stay in Chicago. He was traded against his will from Chicago to another country. Yes. I think we underestimate how big a deal that is to a 23-year-old kid to get traded to another country. And, you know, far from his home, far from his family. And he still played his heart out. He didn't do as well as he would have liked, I'm sure. But he played hard. He worked hard. And then he had a chance to do what he wanted. And he, and he, and he you know... Did what was best for him and his family. Ottawa Chicago and Ottawa, was... two different cities too, right? You're going from deep dish pizza and all the, the sporting culture that's there compared to the nice, tranquil. I like Ottawa as a city. It's just a nice, tranquil. It's a different vibe. It's completely yeah. different. I'm um, dying at this comment. From by, by the way, right forget Soy Boy. We've got a new <laughs> nickname for, for Laz. Uh, this one from uh, our listener viewer, uh, Mike, who says more like Mark's Lazarus. Am I right? That's pretty good. Spell my Mark's last name wrong, though, so I, 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 I'll allow it, though. Ah, that, that's good. And look, I think <laughs> part of the issue on Dabrinkit, Ottawa fans are convinced he didn't try here. That's that's the issue. And, you know, he had a quote that he told um, the Detroit Free Press in training camp, you know, maybe I got a little bit lazy on some of my chances and rebounds. And that comment just went, Ottawa fans tore him to shreds. And yeah. I did give him a chance to try and address that comment when I spoke to him last week. He said, look, that was a terrible choice of words on my part. I didn't mean I was lazy. I meant maybe I should have just, on a couple of those rebounds, maybe I could have bared down. It didn't matter. At that point, the genie was out of the bottle and whatever. It was a great atmosphere on the weekend here. It, it, it's fun. I like that. I like that Ottawa fans gave him a rough ride because it's a fun, yeah, it sure. for a fun environment. And he's... Anyway, at the end of the day, they're just they're hear... just lines that some fans cross where it gets ugly. Like, boo the guy, absolutely boo yeah. the guy. Sure, he rejected uh, you, boo him. But it gets vitriolic sometimes when it's just unnecessary. Look, Ottawa's on the upswing, Detroit's on the upswing. Everything's good right now. Like, why do you got to be pissed about everything? Yeah, I, I want to ask you guys, uh, real quick, Laz, uh, about Evander Kane's comments. We're gonna play these. Evander Kane uh, was essentially stapled to the bench for a good chunk of the first period on the weekend, and then he dropped the gloves and got into a fight. Have a listen. This is Evander Kane with Scott Oak in the intermission. Uh, yeah, I didn't uh, didn't play much in the first period, so I thought uh, might as well get into a fight and uh, take seven or eight minutes in the box. Okay. Uh, I like when athletes are honest, so I don't want to to, to, to crack down on them too much because I, I think we always say, like, Give us honesty. How do you think that comment landed? That he was like, ah, I didn't play that much. I figured we may as well get into a fight. I, I thought it was hilarious. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like this. That's a very 1970s, 1980s thing, right? Just to do yeah. something like that. Like that's how hockey used to be. 
And I, I don't have a huge problem with that. I, I, I don't know how serious he meant it. I'm sure he was kind of messing around a little bit. But they're also, yeah, I mean, if I'm not getting it, like you hear that a lot from guys, like I'm not involved in the game. I'm going to go hit somebody. I'm going to go start a fight to get myself into the game and wake up the crowd and everything, get my teammates in the game. It's like, if, they, if they're not going to let me play, I'll go do something else. Like, I don't have a huge problem with it. It's because it's a Vander Kane that it carries extra baggage, right? If, if another player says that, if Jared Tenorti had said that, who would have cared? But because it's a Vander Kane, everything he says becomes kind of a lightning rod. Um, I don't have a huge problem with it. I thought it was funny. God forbid these guys have any personality, right? Yeah. I, I'll also add this too. It's a Vander Kane with one assist through six games. Like yeah, there's a reason yeah. why Vander Kane put himself in that situation. And, and it seems like his placement in the lineup is where it is. I mean, it'll probably change because Carter yeah, now they need him yeah. now. Now they absolutely need him for the next few games. But yeah, I, I, I didn't have a problem with, with how, with, I like the snarkiness. It was kind of funny in, in hindsight, but also at the same time, like, it better not snowball into anything worse. Well, there are, there are, there might not be a worse market to make that joke in than Edmonton, right? Like mm-hmm. that's going to be taken and ran with for a long, long way now. Is the only thing they got going on in Edmonton right now? It's a terrible start. You want to? You couldn't have predicted a worse start for the Oilers. Tripping out of the gates, and now Connor McDavid out anywhere from one to two weeks. And why that's important, uh, Julian, is coming up this weekend. It's the outdoor game. Uh, I mean, Connor McDavid, he's not going to – they're saying one or two weeks. There's no way he's playing in the Heritage Classic, is there? I'll Guys? tell you what. If I'm Steve Mayer uh, from uh, the NHL office, I'm going to all of those Oilers practices, and I'm sitting in the stands, and I'm like, please let this man play. Please let this man play. Please, 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 please let this man play. Look, I mean, the he is the big draw of that game. It's the Battle of Alberta. I understand that. But Connor McDavid is going to be the best player playing in that game if he plays. Leon Dreisaitl doesn't have that same draw compared to what Connor McDavid is going to bring for that game. Already, we're, we're already going to have to accept the fact that this is a game that's probably going to be a much bigger deal in Canada compared to what it's going to be in the United States, where it's going to be in the middle of the day on a Sunday, competing with NFL football. I think it's supposed to be in between days during, well, I mean, maybe the World Series might have started by then. I think we're at that point where the LCSs are starting to end. But like, we're at a point where the U.S. side of things they're going to be focused on other stuff. The M- other stuff, the NBA is going to have started too. This is going to be the bigger deal in Canada. So they need as much star power, star power as they can get for this matchup. I think it'll be fine because basically everything you just laid out, nobody in America is watching this game anyway. Like right. honestly, the, the Heritage Classic happens and nobody down here pays attention. Every year yeah. it's the same thing. Like the Winter Classic will draw the curiosity. If there's a stadium series game in a cool place, that'll draw some curiosity. Heritage Classic does not ring any bells down here. Most hockey fans, American hockey fans, won't even know what's going on. Casual fans certainly won't know what's going on. That's not like some, like, it's just, like you said, this is a tough time of year to make a hockey game in the middle of a Sunday be a dominant story. And whether Connor McDavid's there or not, it's not going to play down here. And whether Connor McDavid's there or not, it's going to play huge in Canada. It's the Battle of Alberta. It's, you know, it's the biggest sport up there. And I, it sucks that McDavid's not going to play in it. Don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to see him, but I don't think it has any real impact on any bottom lines here. In all fairness, I, though, the Heritage Classic has been purely in all Canadian matchups since yeah. its inception like 20 that's years what, ago. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, but I just think if you're Edmonton, an outdoor game, sometimes you can't control those elements as much. You're not putting McDavid at risk in an outdoor no. game. 
There's no I way. I understand that. I mean, it's not, it's not snowing there yet, right? I mean, I've no, been, I've, but well, well, it, it I've been, I've been actually, to Calgary where it snowed in November early. So I'm in, I'm in Calgary now and it snowed today. I, I'm literally <laughs> looking at my left and there is snow on my balcony. Ah, brutal. It's 65 oh. and sunny here in Chicago. Ah, uh, yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Laz, before, <laughs> hey, before we let, before we let you go, uh, you, you kind of teased a little bit of a, 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 a piece that you have coming up this week. Why don't we uh, Why don't we plug that here a little bit more? Yeah, sure. More. Yeah, I, I I spoke. You know, I, I spoke to Seth Jones for a while uh, uh, a little bit ago about just he's such a polarizing figure, right? This all he is is a very good hockey player, right? All he does is go out and he plays pretty well on a bad team, and he gets so much hate from so many people. And uh, I, I wanted to talk to him about that. He's another guy. He was traded here, right? And then he was given this contract, and people resent him not just for the contract. But for the cost Stan Bowman played, paid to bring him here, two first round picks and a number eight overall pick in Adam Boquist and a second round pick just to give him an eight year, nine point five million a year hit, uh, uh, contract. That none of that is his fault, right? And he gets hate from you know every year. Dom is sitting there shitting on him about what a terrible player he is. You know, I'm only half teasing Dom, but like uh, the analytics community tends to not think very highly of him. Old old school hockey people love him. He's a big minutes eater. He's big rangy defenseman well let me tell you he was great last year the second half of last year he was he played really really good hockey on a horrendously bad team that's really hard to do as a defenseman he's only 29 there's a lot of good hockey left in this guy and it's just it's interesting how like go to the united center you won't see a single number four jersey nobody buys Seth. he's the biggest star in the team until Connor bedard got here nobody ever bought a number four jersey and i, I just wanted to talk to him about about what he thinks about how polarizing he is and and uh, about some of the hate he gets and he was he was he was interesting about it. You have to you have to also account too, not just the analytics stuff, but like when you see other defensive like Kale McCarr play at such a high level and make less money yeah. than him. That's also that's also going to be put against him. Sure, he's making the same as Adam Fox, the same as Charlie McAvoy, and half a million more than Kale McCarr. That's not great. He is not those players. He no. never was those players. Even in seventeen eighteen, when he was like fourth in the Norris, he was never what those guys are. Uh, well, listen, we're looking forward to that because it sounds like a fascinating I, – I have a theory that every passionate hockey market in North America, the fan base complains about one defenseman being overpaid. <laughs> like that's yep. kind of like a rule. Yep. You got to have one overpaid defenseman. And so in yep. Chicago, it's it's uh, it's Seth that we're looking forward to, to reading that. But listen, thanks for for dropping by the Monday pod, Laz, as always. Marcus, thanks for setting, thanks for setting me up for uh, getting torched again on Twitter like usual. Appreciate it. Love it. Love it. There we go. Uh, I think you'd like it at this point. Uh, I am a masochist. At some point, I, I, I keep doing it to myself, so there must be some truth to that. Some yeah. To that. Mark's Lazarus uh, <laughs> joining us as he uh, often does here on the Monday Pod. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's bring in our next guest. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner with The Athletic. It is our guy, Jesse Granger. When's the last time Jesse Granger physically stepped into a bank? They probably don't even have banks in Vegas because they're like, this is too dangerous. No, we can't be they, doing this. There's tons of banks in Vegas. They <laughs> like they're the where else are you gonna pull out the eight the, the money to put in the slot yeah. machines? They have banks everywhere. Um, I'm I'm with Julian on this one. It's been a while since I've actually been in the bank. Like I'll drive to the bank, I'll go to the drive-through ATM. So I, yeah. I just roll my window down and do that. But actually parking and walking inside the bank, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, I, I there's no re- real reason to get in, uh, in, in into into the bank. Look, we, last week we talked about having you on, Jesse, and we're like, we need a nickname for you because we said, are you the goalie guru? Are you the goal? What was the other one? Goalie guru? I like the crease correspondent was a good one. Crease correspondent. Or we got one from connoisseur. Casey. Ooh, connoisseur there. Yeah. Okay. Casey in Kentucky's got one here. Uh, Casey has written into the Athletic Hockey Show, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Net gnome. No, I'm no. six three. I'm six That's three. So I'm <laughs> the exact opposite of a gnome. He's massive. But hold on. Casey from Kentucky has written in with their sort of here's 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 the benefits of making Jesse Granger the net gnome. Benefits are the knowledge requirements for said position of a gnome less strenuous than a wizard, sorcerer, philosopher, or scholar. What are they? Who knows? If Jesse gets it wrong, he's just a gnome. There are some fun. Like there are some fun hat opportunities for you. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Who's not looking for some fun hat opportunities? We all are. Um, it's fun to say net gnome. I'll give him that. Yeah. It yeah, almost sure. rhymes with no, as in K N O W. No, like knowledge. No. Um. This one I don't quite understand. No and Granger, there's a silent G and a silent K. I, I'm, I'm not following Granger's that one. Granger's not but, silent. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought. There, there, there are no, Granger. yeah, no silent letters in my last name, I don't think. No. Okay. No, there, there are some strong beard opportunities for you here. If you if you really lean into the no, you can't shave. If we call you a gnome, it's like a, yeah. it's that. And then Casey. When last time we seen Beardless Jesse? Beardless Never. Jesse. Since I've been old enough to grow a beard. Yeah, I, I've last had time Jesse, there since I've been able to. Last time Jesse uh, was clean shaven was when he walked into a bank, I believe. Uh, that was the last time. <laughs> it's been uh, longer maybe. than that. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe he walked in with his parents and they set up an account for him. That's that right. That That's exactly yeah. how. Here's your checking account. Uh, and also, Casey from Kentucky says, if NHL and Fanatics is already making gnome merch, I will buy a little gnome and I will name it Jesse. This is both a threat <laughs> and a promise. Nah, this this dude this dude thought about this gnome thing way too long, and just completely discounted hey, the fact that Jesse is six three. I like showing the work though. Like I don't I don't know if it's yeah. better than some of the other answers, but I appreciate showing the work. That's um, fair. He bit, tried to make their case. Okay, well I like I like this note here from Amy, who has written in and says the Habs have a goalie prospect oh. nicknamed the Gnome, and it's one of those ironic nicknames because he's super tall. Who who is this? Who is the Gnome? I'm trying Julian to remember know? who I'm trying to remember who I don't know why Jakob Dovish is comes to mind, but like it might have been him. 
I don't remember who it was. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I'm going to have to double check on that. I, wow. That you could tell I'm, I'm far behind from the, uh, from your the Habs Canadians days are gone because I, because I don't remember who was nicknamed the gnome for the Montreal Canadiens. I like the, the like irony in it though. It's like tiny from Friday, right? Like exactly yes. going along those lines. So yeah. what's the height you have to be as a goalie for this to work as a, like, if your your nickname is the gnome or tiny, like six four is the minimum height. Like you can't be six two and be called the gnome. You just be like you're an average guy. Six one, six four, six four is the height. Six five. What's the way the... the goalies are going now, I feel like six four. You're just an average guy. Like, yeah, you have to be like six seven. six to be considered one of the ben tall Bishop, ones. Yeah, Anders Lindback. Those were the uh, uh, the tall goalies. Look, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, the team that you cover. Still haven't lost a game. They're off. Let me ask both of you guys this. I'm curious. We're, we're about two weeks into the season. I'm going to give you a handful of teams here. You tell me who's the biggest surprise to you to start the season. Is okay. it Vegas at 6-0, Boston at 5-0, Detroit at 5-1, or Edmonton winning just once in five games? What's the biggest surprise, Jesse, to you? Probably Boston for me. Um, I know we keep doing this with this team, saying they're 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 final. Okay, they're gonna be dead now. They're they're uh, in in the in the context of Halloween in October. They're like they're like Jason Voorhees. We keep saying, okay, he's dead. All right, we don't have to worry about the Boston Bruins anymore. They all retired. This team is old. They're finally done. We said it before last year, and then they won yeah. 100, 135 points or whatever it was. So, um, I am once again surprised that the Bruins are better than I thought they would be. Um, I can't wait to do this again next year this time. Um, this team, we keep thinking they're going to be not as good, and they're they're awesome. So I would say Boston is probably the biggest surprise for me. What about you, Julian? Okay. Uh, first, I, th- I believe it's Frederick Dickow, uh, the goaltending prospect for the Canadians, who's nicknamed the Gnome. I believe okay. he's Danish. He's like, yeah, I, I forgot he was nicknamed that. I know he was in the system when I was still there. Just need that said. Uh, I think the Edmonton Oilers are still the biggest surprise for me. I think the fact that they're 1-3-1, and one, I believe the Jets are the only team that they've played so far that was a was, was a playoff team last year, and they've had the poor results to start. Then they're going to have Connor McDavid out for up to two weeks with an upper body injury. I, I, I'm not pressing the panic button. My hand, if I was an Oilers fan, I'd be like creeping it over to that button a little bit. This is not an ideal start. There's time for them to fix it and time for everyone to get back on track. I get that. But for a team that feels like so many people penciled in into the Stanley Cup final this year, a one, three and one start is not necessarily what I expected. Boston, I just like they're too unpredictable for me. So the fact that they started as well as they did, you know what? Fine. Go off. Okay, fine. You're that good. Consider you don't have Bergeron and, and, and Kreitch anymore. Not to mention they already proved after last year. They could have as great of a regular season as they want. It's only going to matter if they do well in the playoffs. As for the Vegas Golden Knights, I said last week this team was going to start 8-0. They have Philly and Chicago next. I still stand on that. So I'm not completely surprised that Vegas doing as well as they are. Detroit deserves some consideration in all this because I think there were people entering this season who were not as convinced that they would take that step compared to Buffalo, compared to Ottawa. And now the Red Wings have the best offense in the league. And Alex Dabrinkit torching the Calgary Flames over the weekend. But none of those teams surprise me the same way that Edmonton has to start off the year. You, you know, know why think- they have the best offense, right? You know, everyone knows why the Red Wings have the best offense in, in hockey. It's because they switched their goal song to Eminem. 
Yeah, Yo, the best goal song. It's not me. even close. Yeah, it's the best goal song good. in the league. And now suddenly these players are way more motivated to score yeah. than they've ever been in their lives. It's yeah, for sure. Who the would reason. have thought? Who would have thought using Eminem, you know, from Eight Mile, that guy as your goal song would have been a great idea? That's a really. By the way, I I, sh- I mentioned that yesterday on Twitter. That's actually a really good goal song. Shout out to the Detroit Red Wings for for doing that. Yeah, you know, for me with Edmonton. Where I think I would be most concerned, as Julian said, you know, they they got their hand kind of hovering on the panic button. What would scare me is that if you think about who the three heavyweights are in the West outside, you know, a lot of people thought Edmonton is there. Vegas is six and zero. Colorado's five and zero. Dallas hasn't lost in regulation. Those those are your measuring stick teams. Yep, and they're all off to great starts. They seem like they're super motivated. That's what would scare the heck out of me at Edmonton is that. We thought we were in that group, and it's still very early, but boy, they're all off to great starts. All of them. Um, and 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 Julian mentions the next two games for Vegas, Chicago and Philly. Quick, if Philly wins this game against Vegas, they'll go to four, one, and one. I'll be willing to give them wow. Put them, I would be willing to put Philly kind of in the Detroit class of wow, they have shocked me to come out of the gates like this. But the thing is with Philly, though, is that like they're still not in a position to win. Like Detroit, I would imagine, even right. if some people did downplay them a little bit, their expectation was to compete for a playoff spot. And one thing I thought about watching that game between Calgary and Detroit yesterday is Detroit spent all this time accumulating talent. Guys like Joe Valeno in the lineup and, and Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. And, and getting a guy like Alex Debrinkit, who is a pure goal scorer, a pure top-line forward, I mean, you could debate about eliteness, but like this is a guy who almost everywhere he's played at, he's found a way to score goals. They need talent like that. And the Red Wings are just at this point in their development where they have the core in place, but they can start adding to it through trades and free agency to really legitimize themselves. And, you know, we look at Ottawa's core, we look at Buffalo's core, and I think there's a lot of people who would want to be in charge of those cores. But the fact that the Red Wings are off to the start that they're at, like, we can't forget about the Red Wings, too. It, it looked a little shaky with the way they were building their defense. But the fact that they're off to the start that they're at, we can put more of that spotlight on some of those younger players who are helping to put them in that position. Uh, Jesse, when we bring you in, we often do it, as I mentioned, uh, with our friends at BetMGM. And we sometimes we'll play around with some fun lines and over-unders. And uh, it's early in the season. But what, what do you got for us here today in terms of maybe some lines or bets or props? Yeah, I so I'm noticing an interesting trend early in the year, and we do this every season in hockey. I feel like the first month of the season, the goals goals are, are off the chart. Yeah, yeah, goals are off the chart, and every and we're like, oh, here it is. This is going to be the highest scoring season ever, and then it goes back to normal. And it, we it, it's every year we go through this until this year. Mm-hmm. It's different this year. The goals are down, which for me, you know what that means? That means the yeah. saves are up. It's not a huge number, but so we're not saying this isn't a the, the goals aren't plummeting, but they are down, which at this time of year, they're normally way up. So if you project that out and you say, OK, well, if we're starting out at a lower baseline, the time of year where goals are usually much, much higher, all of a sudden the goals are lower than in years past. So like just a couple quick stats, save percentage is 905 right now, which and by the way, we've had a couple bad days of save percentage. The league average save percentage was 910 just a few days ago, and that's Ooh. much higher than last year. It was 904. Year before that, it was 907, 908. So this is the first time in 10 years that save percentage has gone up. 
Um, and obviously, we're only 6%. I, I did the math. We're 6% of the way through the season in terms of total games. But the fact that the first month is always the highest scoring month, the fact that it's lower than last year's whole season average tells me that Maybe when these teams start to get locked in defensively, when they start to get comfortable in their schemes, we see this every year in the NHL, the scoring goes down as the season goes on. Maybe we're looking at a reversal. I mean, it's been a long, long time. If you go back and look at the league averages for every year, save percentage has consistently gone down and goals per game have consistently gone up for about 10 years. Um, so maybe we're looking at a reversal and, and what I guess to strengthen that point. Power play opportunities are off the charts early in the season. We're talking 3.7 power play opportunities per game. That's almost a whole power play higher than you see in years past. Last year, the average was three, flat three. So we're 0.7 above that. The year before that was 2.89. So 3.7 power plays per game is a lot. And despite that, we're seeing less goals. We're seeing more saves. So how does that translate to a betting perspective? The under has been a good bet which is usually not the case early in the NHL season. Usually you're you're pounding the over every night and you're hoping you're going to see a 7-6 game because these teams haven't buttoned up their defenses yet. So um, right now, it's we've had, like I said, a couple days of bad save percentage, a couple days of overs hitting. The, the, the under is still over 50%. A couple days ago, it was 56% of the games had gone under the total. Um, so just a, a little trend to watch. If you're watching these hockey games, we're not seeing the high scoring um, early season, wide open hockey, tons of defensive breakdowns, high scoring games. You're, you're getting it here and there, but not nearly at the same rate that we do um, early in the season. So um, it's early, but I'm already starting the hashtag year of the goalie. If we if, if the save percentage can go up, I know I'm the only person out there rooting for this, but I am rooting for it. But you know what's fascinating, too? Uh, I just decided just to look at the NHL website and just look at the teams who have allowed the most goals. Off the top of your head, can you guess who that team is? Carolina, allowed the, Carolina has allowed the most goals. Yep. And that is a team that we have regarded them as a really good defensive team over the last little while. Tampa Bay second allowed most goals at 24. And yes, fine, Andre Vasilevsky is not there. But that's also a team that you know has at least played a solid defensive system to get them success. There are teams like Boston, Edmonton, and Calgary that are switching from a man-to-man to a zone defense off the strength of teams like Tampa and Vegas doing that. And, and Calgary and, and Edmonton, both in the top 10 in goals allowed this year. Calgary was like one of the better defense, defensive teams. I know with Jacob Markstrom and the goaltending, it wasn't always great, but they were one of the better defensive teams last year. They've allowed the third most goals to start off the year. So, yeah, you're right. Like We're maybe not seeing all of the high-flyingness that we would like to see from an offense, but it's still really interesting to see the teams who've allowed the most goals be who they are to start off the year. That is fascinating to me. Yeah. And you know what I think is really fascinating, too? It's going to be fun to watch. Jesse says that we've played, what, roughly 6% of the season. Uh, Tuesday night's going to be a lot of fun because yes. you've got all 32 teams in action. And if you're not aware of this, the games are going to start at 6 Eastern time uh, in Washington. Washington hosts Toronto at 6 Eastern time. And then roughly every 15 minutes after that, up until uh, you know 10 o'clock, well, 11 o'clock Eastern time, there's a new puck drop. Great game, great uh, great concept. I love it. This is something that should have been done a, a while back. Um, what do you think we see more of? Like, do you think we, on Tuesday night, Jesse, do you think we get more shutouts or more teams scoring five-plus goals? If you had to guess right now. I'll go shutouts. 
Um, just because that's what I hope we see. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm excited for it for the setup. Uh, the whole I think they're calling it power play. It's power they're play, like copy. Yeah. They're they're playing off of the NFL's red zone. Um, I'm a huge fan of NFL red zone. It's as good as Same. it gets. You can watch the one channel all Sunday and get all the stuff. I'm. I, it's obviously harder to translate in hockey because. In football, there's a lead up to the score. You can see it happening. Okay, they're getting close. They're getting close. They're going to score. In hockey, you obviously don't have that. I'm curious how it translates. But if it does translate well, this could be a gold mine for the NHL. Like I've always said, I think one of the things, like obviously here in America, the NFL kills. The, the NFL is king. Part of that is the scheduled viewing, right? Like Sunday afternoon, I know what I'm doing. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm watching football. All the games are on. If hockey can have, they don't need it every week, but if hockey can have days like Tuesday regularly that become regular viewing where all you do is sit on your couch and watch hockey all day and you've got this red zone power play channel, I, I am very excited for the potential. I don't know how it's going to work. We're going to see, but I, I am excited for what this could be for hockey. I think Sportsnet had tried to do something similar a couple of years ago with a show ice called Ice Surfing. Yeah. Uh, Steve Dangle was supposed was hosting that. I think it was around like just before the pandemic hit where that kind of started and it never really picked up. But yeah, I, I would like to see this idea work. I think the fact that they have all those games on with the staggered times for tomorrow, too, that's going to help. Plus, it's at a point in the schedule where you're not competing with Monday Night Football. I'm not sure exactly where we're at with all the league championship series in the in the in major league baseball but i I think there's like a game seven there might be a game seven tonight actually there's a game seven tonight yeah so so we could be in that dead zone with that but i should double check with that too but more but also the nba starts wednesday so it shouldn't be competing with with that league as well there's like a perfect night where the league can actually kind of be a focus but also i've also i've also just seen uh, people complain about the fact that even though there is that game uh that day with all these teams i don't know if you guys have noticed this but we had two games yesterday we're going to have one tonight, only one NHL game, the Canadians and the Sabres. We have the big day on Tuesday, one game on the Wednesday, and then 11 on the Thursday, and then Friday, it kind of gets a little bit back to normal. But, like, yeah, I, I don't know if that's if that should be a detraction or anything like that, but, like, people are making the point that, like, hey, well, even though we're going to have all these games on one day, one game between one day and the Wednesday, like, what is that? Well, what do you want them to do? You can't like you can't if you're having everyone play on one day the day before that, there's not going to be very many games. I mean, we're yeah, not going to have the, the entire after, league yeah. play back to backs, right? Like it, otherwise, too, the yeah, hockey would be terrible. Players. Yeah. Any, anyone that's complaining about one game today, that's the sacrifice you have to make. So you can have a day like tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and Wednesday night, you don't want to go up against the NBA on their opening no. night, right? You want to you, 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 you're respectful of that. Would you guys like to see, look, you look at the schedule for Tuesday night and the only quote unquote rivalry games that are there, I would say you can maybe make an argument, Buffalo, Ottawa, maybe make an argument, Carolina, Tampa, maybe uh, Boston, Chicago, original six. Would you like to see everybody kind of partner off? And I know some teams like Montreal and Toronto and whatever, they have more than one rival per se, but would you like to see this be? It's Philly, Pittsburgh. It's Tampa, Florida. It's LA, Anaheim. It's, you know, whatever. Pick, square off. And, and everybody, for the most part, it's a rivalry night. All 16 teams, uh, 16 games, 32 teams, and everybody is essentially playing a rival as best as they can, can construe it. I love the um, idea. Um, yeah. 
throw the Battle of Alberta in there. It'd be good. Yeah. Either and 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 then and then maybe on another night, don't do rivalries. Do like and obviously this is hard to schedule out. Hockey's so unpredictable, but it would be nice to see like the contenders in it. Like do like Vegas, Florida Stanley Cup rematch. Do a do a a big like a rematch from one of the big Eastern Conference playoff series. You know what I mean? Like New Jersey, New York. Like I don't know. Throw throw in some maybe not traditional rivalries, but big games rather than just. Bruins Blackhawks. Like, what is this game? It's nothing. It, it's, it, 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 there's not a lot to it. Um, yeah, but but it's Connor Bedard versus whoever he's playing. I don't know. I, I agree with you that they could. It's hard to do in hockey because the schedule comes out so far in advance and the teams, you never know. You could get some duds, but I think having some more interesting games and some rivalry games would definitely spice it up. Okay. I just want to correct myself with something before I mention one point I want to say here. So the NBA season actually starts tomorrow. And not only does it start tomorrow, these are the two matches. It starts Tuesday? So here's the thing. Not only does it start tomorrow, here are the two games that are on tomorrow. Lakers, Nuggets, Suns, and Warriors. Those are the two games. So they are going head to head. So they are going head to head with the NBA. And not only head to head, they're going, they're like Like four of the best teams in the league. Yeah, well, that's okay. how you do it. That's how you schedule it. That's what we were just saying the NHL should have done is you should have games like that. Those aren't traditional rivalries, right? Like I'm a Nuggets fan. I don't like the Lakers, but that's not like a, that's not the that's a rivalry. Thing. That's not a rival yeah, thing, right, but right. Like, it's just the, a yeah. Yeah, it's LeBron versus the reigning cup reigning NBA final champion. Then you get Suns and Warriors where I I believe that's going to be like the first time Kevin Durant returns to Golden State since what? Yeah, he has it. Yeah, how is that possible? Wild. Well, he only plays ten percent of the game, so they've probably been back there <laughs> seven right. times. Remember, and he was just like resting. he was in Brooklyn, and he was all in Brooklyn all that time too. Like he, he, like an Eastern Conference team, right? Like he didn't have a lot of games against against Golden State. Not well, he doesn't play a lot of games. That. that too. So I went to a Nets so, game when I was in Brooklyn, and and you'll be shocked to know that Kevin Durant did not play in that game. No, exactly. So I just wanted that said. But the thing I would love to see with this format. I would love for the NHL to emulate what MLS does, where in the final day of the season, pretty much everyone plays and they call it decision day, where especially if you're still competing for a playoff spot, like those matchups are are, are heightened up. And I know there's something similar out in the Premier League, too. But could you imagine like final day of the NHL regular season and there are teams competing for playoff spots and all and whatever matchups that are going to be in focus that day in order for teams to clinch those spots? They're there on that calendar. Say like Buffalo needs a win or 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 Tampa Bay lost, just as an example, to make the playoffs. Like you have that on. You could focus on another matchup at the same time. Like I think if you could find a way to do some kind of similar decision day with all the teams playing, everything staggered, plus you could hype up the fact that teams could play spoiler. Yes, there are gonna be some teams who are gonna be in the playoffs and they could be rested, but if you have matchups that matter, and I guess it's dependent on the on the standings too, but if you have matchups that are gonna matter. And everyone's able to watch on that day. That could be a really fun time. Oof, I don't. That sounds like flex scheduling, right? What the NFL is able to right. to somewhat do Absolutely. too, right? You flex uh, games in. Wow. All right. Well, listen, Jesse. We have you been have you been paying? I, I know Sean McAdoo mentioned this. Down goes Brown. That Vegas and and even Julian mentioned this too. Like Vegas could very much be looking at the greatest start. In NHL history, it's sitting there like, like, do you think it's possible they can win their first 10 games, 11 games before we let you go? Do you, like, could, could they run this to 11 and 0? I mean, the team hasn't lost in like 
eight months. So it's hard for me to <laughs> say it's it, like, yeah, I absolutely think they can do it. I mean, they, they lost a couple of playoff games, a couple, like <laughs> they, they didn't trail since game one of the playoffs last year. They have just steamrolled through everyone. The cup final was a slaughter. Uh, they bring everyone back. They've had injuries. It hasn't seemed to matter. And then you look at their, their six and oh, the next four games are they're at home against Philadelphia at home against Chicago. Then they go to L.A. That's a tough one. And that's a division yes. rivalry. Those two te- and L.A. with their one three one really gives the Golden Knights problems. So that is the game. But this is hockey. So like it won't be that game that costs them. It'll be it'll be uh, Philadelphia tomorrow. But and then, and then they come back home and they have Montreal, who is, again, another team near the bottom of the standing. So I think that it's absolutely possible. Um, and this team, I again, I'm not picking them to lose until they show me that it's scientifically possible for them to lose a game because it, at this point it feels like it's not possible. 10 and 0. 10 and 0. That, I've been beating that drum since last week. They're really good. They're really good. And they, and they, yeah. and they, they have to me the most impressive thing about what the Golden Knights have done so far this year and it's just rolling over from last year is they just find different ways to win. Like you, you see other elite teams in the league and it's like, this is how this team wins. They like, it's the Oilers. They're going to score seven goals. Toronto kind of similar. Toronto's better defensively, but Vegas doesn't really have that. They, they kind of can win in all different types of ways. They can play a big physical checking game with Dallas. Like Dallas came in to Vegas and that was a, like they came in to make a point. Like that was a rematch of the Western conference finals. The stars came in and punched them in the mouth and they were super physical and Vegas just adapts to that. They just, they're a chameleon. They they adapt to that type of game, and they end up coming back in that game and winning in a shootout. And then they play against Chicago, who's a little more run and gun, and they there's a lot more skating in a game like that. Not as much hitting, a lot more skating. And Vegas has the skaters to play a game like that. I just think I think that's part of what makes this team so tough to beat is they can play whatever type of game they find themselves in, and they don't really care what style of hockey it is. They can win at all of them. Okay, not to project too much into the future here, but let's say uh, Vegas you know, continues to be the solid team that they are. They return to the cup final and they win. How many cups do the Vegas Golden Knights need to win to be considered a dynasty? So someone asked me this in a, in a mailbag in the off season. And they said, if they win one more, are they a dynasty? And I was like, kind of, they're a salary cap dynasty. Like in, in the salary cap world, if you win, like, and, and, and to me, it's not just the two cups. It's the fact that they've been to, they, if let's just Okay, they won the cup this year. That would be yes. two Stanley Cups. They've played in three cup finals, and that would be five conference final rounds in seven years. That's about as dominant as of a run as you'll see in the in the cap era. Now, prior to the cap era, there's some teams that like if you're going to compare them to the pre-cap dynasties, no, it's not even close. They probably have to win four cups, right? Like that's the the standard yeah. is much higher for back then. But if you look at what Chicago did. Um, you look at the, Pits, the Penguins and the Lightning. To me, those are the three, like in recent era, those are the three standards of what a dynasty is. And I think if Vegas were to win back-to-back cups and have that third cup final and have five conference final appearances in seven years, it's hard to argue that that's not about as dominant of a stretch as we've seen in this era. So yeah. you're not like Mark Lazarus who yeah. needs to see a team win at least three times in a row to consider them a dynasty. It's it, it it's such a like abstract thing, right? Like every you you ask a hundred hockey fans, a hundred of them they'll give you a hundred different answers as to what a dynasty is. And I'm sure I guarantee there are people listening to this right now that are like, he's an idiot. There's no way that's a dynasty with two cups. We, and we literally you could argue, 
You could argue that it isn't, but I'm just saying, if you compare them to the dominant teams of the salary cap era, another cup would put them right in that conversation. We literally had people at the start of the podcast when we had Mark Lazarus debating this. We're, I mean, they didn't call him an idiot, but they were more or less trying to do that because that's how he feels about it. No, we, we called him an idiot. We that's called fair. him <laughs> an idiot for, for saying that Edmonton winning five cups in seven years was not a dynasty. Is not a dynasty. That's insane. What in the world? <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, okay. Like, what? Yeah. It is. He said five cups in seven years it's is not a, not a dynasty because at some point you have to win three to be a dynasty. Because when well, he was a dynasty, kid, dynasties don't seed power. Yeah, yeah dynasty that's what he said. Seed power. Seed power. If that's, if that's the standard, then Vegas is not close to a dynasty. <laughs> no, they got a long ways to go. But hey, we look forward to your coverage uh, this week of, of the, uh, well, still undefeated Vegas Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, Jesse Granger, thanks for dropping by. We'll hit you up again uh, next week. Yep, always fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we, uh, we get out of here, uh, let's open up the email, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Actually, before we do that, real quick, uh, we're sitting here, we're recording this at about 3.30 Eastern time, 1.30 for you Mountain Time on Monday. And we have not discussed uh, Arizona Coyotes defenseman Travis Dermott using right. uh, pride pride team tape on his stick. And the reason why I bring up the time is we are now almost 48 hours out from Dermot using the, the, the pride theme tape on his stick. We have yet to hear if there's been any uh, fine or suspension or any, I don't think it's suspensions in play, but, but any sort of discipline, I guess is the, the right phrase I should be using here. What does the NHL do here? What what what, I don't know what, they can what do they do? They've painted themselves into a corner with this memo. Like, if they punish Travis in any way, that's a bad look for them. That's basically saying that they're they're not in favor of of of, of the LGBTQ community. And it, I mean, look, they were trying to put this rule in just so they could get out of 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 players being singled out for not abiding with whatever specialty jersey nights were going on. But ultimately, because of this memo specifically attacking the the pride tape, if they go against it, it looks bad on them. But also, if they don't enforce anything, it also sort of looks back bad on them. So that just kind of opens the door for so many other players to defy this ban. It's not really a ban. It's going to get to a point where the league is going to have to rescind this this rule because I don't think they want to be in this corner. And I think they're starting to realize that it's not. The, the bad press that comes with it is not ideal. Like it's not something you want. If if you're trying to 
you know, continue to grow your game and be open in more households and whatever, you can't be this impressive and you can't be this ass backwards. So I, I, I really, I'm, and, and maybe it's naive to think this optimistically. I really think the NHL is going to have to rescind that, rescind that ban. And I think they're going to end up doing it, especially if more and more players start to go against it, which in this case, like it's going to look really toothless if more and more players do it and they don't do anything. Do you think it matters? Look, look, Dermot is a guy, he's kind of um, on the bubble of being a full-time NHL player. He's on a two-way deal, right? So it's not like he's got a five-year secured contract, which, again, to me, actually even shows more bravery on his part that, that he Absolutely. would be willing to do this. Would it matter if this is McDavid or Crosby or McKinnon or Hughes or, you know, pick pick your your, your superstar? How much more clout would it have if it was them versus absolutely Travis Dermott, who I just I think my respect for for him just went through the roof because he was willing to to make a stand or take a stand when he doesn't have a guaranteed contract beyond this season. Uh, but but would it make a bigger difference if it was a super superstar? I think so. I, I think it would reverberate around the league a lot more. It would reverberate around just the sporting world a lot more if a star player of the of the caliber that you mentioned would have done this especially the fact that Travis did this is brave enough but the fact that he did this in the face of other bigger quality stars being asked about it and some of them expressing their disappointment but ultimately pushing back and saying that they don't want to do it to get in trouble like that makes it even more impressive what Travis did so if imagine if we saw Connor McDavid i mean that Edmonton Oilers team was very much in favor of wearing pride tape. They were all over that. And I mean, if Connor McDavid, I mean, he's injured now, but if he was in a situation where he would do it in a game, I think that would mean a lot to, to those communities, but also just to the sporting world at large. It's the fact that a player with the profile that he has, who, I mean, we think of hockey players as, as pretty guarded people who aren't seeking the spotlight, but they would want to change things. Like, I, I think that would look really good in terms of trying to change the culture. I think it would, I think it would go a long way if a Crosby, if a Hughes, if a McDavid did it. At the same time, even though Travis Dermott did it, there's, there's, it opens the door for those guys to step up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. Maybe it won't have that same effect. But at the end of the day, I mean, again, if, if, if the NHL is not going to enforce this, it opens the door for so many other players to, to defy the ban on their own. Uh, let's re- yeah, well said, and and we'll see how it how it plays out uh, this week and beyond with, with Travis Dermott and other players. Let's just read one email here, then we'll we'll we'll, we'll dip out here on a Monday. Elise in Philly has written into us. Uh, Julian Elise has written in via email, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. If you want to hit us up on voicemail too, it's eight four five four four five eighty four fifty nine. Either way, we love to hear from you. Elise in Philly says. Everyday listener, always enjoy the pod here. This might seem small, but it's had a big uh, big impact on my experience this season. I've been thinking a lot about how the newly updated NHL app has seemingly removed a tab that, amazingly, could allow you to tune in to any live radio broadcast throughout the league. It's something I absolutely loved as a new fan coming in. I would listen to games while driving, biking, cooking, cleaning, etc. I ended up following a lot of -of out-of-town teams that I wouldn't have otherwise. Live a busy life and being able to get the play-by-play in an audio format let me stay into the games when I couldn't find the time to sit down and watch them. Losing that 
has been a dampening disappointment to what I see as an exciting new hockey season. I can only speak for myself. I imagine it's a disappointment, too, to anybody sight-impaired who still enjoys these games as they can get them. In an era where podcasts have become so big, I think the audio format is a huge part of any kind of marketing. These days, it's something that shouldn't get buried. Instead of opening the NHL app every week and tuning in as I did last year, I'm now having to find myself Google and digging up rando sites that stream radio broadcasts as I'm able to find them. Unsurprisingly, it means I listen less often. I think I might just delete this app entirely, considering how much the NHL despairs uh, for accruing and keeping fans. What is the logic of removing this feature to quote one user's comment I saw? The NHL is no longer playing hard to get at this point. These guys just really are running away like a black cat in a Pepe Le Pew cartoon and i cleaned up you said you yo you 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 <laughs> you censored the word they were trying to use there yeah That's i did i cleaned it up <laughs> i only swear if i'm quoting snoop dog uh directly i've, I've oh i feel like that complaint probably should have been in the inbox of whoever runs things at the nhl.com website generally with the changes um the look i'm, I'm, I'm not all that impressed that being said, uh, Michael Russo wrote a really great article on uh, the NHL Edge platform, which basically is the league has a hub for more advanced stats and and tracking metrics, which I think that looks okay on the surface. But I'm sure other people who are a little bit more adept at using those sites have uh, more stronger criticisms. But yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty uh, that's sad to hear uh, from from our reader that uh, that uh, they're not able to enjoy games on the radio the way that they used to I, my my youth i spent so much time uh, being in my room turning on the radio to cj 800 and listening to canadians games being broadcast over radio and 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 i'm sure there's still people who, who still do that to this day for canadians games leafs games whatever team you follow and the fact that the nhl is kind of i mean i'm not sure exactly what happened to, to i don't know if that capability is still there but maybe it's in a different section but I think that's a bit of a disappointment, I, and I'm sorry to uh, to this person for for them going through it. At least in Philly, sorry to that. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear from other people too. Whether it's on the the NHL's new uh, uh, stats page, as Julian pointed out, uh, Mike Russo has that piece, or or on the uh, app altering whatever, not able to get radio uh, broadcast. Hit us up, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. As we wrap up here, speaking of Mike Russo. Mm-hmm. Mike Russo is back on the Tuesday edition of the pod with the head coach of Los Angeles Kings, Todd McClellan. Uh, is going to join him. So that conversation, Julian, we'll have that for our listeners coming your way on Tuesday. That's a big get, man. I mean, we started, I mean, this podcast getting better and better as we keep doing this, man. We had Kevin Sheffield day off last week and now we're getting Todd McClellan. I mean, well, we had Bill Zito pod- through Russo. Bill Zito too. Yeah, Russo, you, does he, we don't have a segment name for him though. You know, we need to come up with something catchy. We can workshop this with uh, producer Chris and the rest well, of the Well, and the listeners. Mike Russo. Too. Give us a great – maybe it, maybe it's just called Mike Check. And every week, oh. Mike Russo checks in with I a like new that. guest. Time for I a like, Mike Check. I like yeah, that. I like Something that. like that. Something I'm like down that. with I'm down with Mike Check. That's pretty good. I was going to say Mike Drop, but that feels like he bungled. That's only when he bungles the interview. Yeah, yeah. that's it, man. Like, maybe, or maybe you give him a Mike Drop. Like, maybe if he has like yeah. a little like rant. Maybe if he has something that's kind of grinding his gears or something, and then you just let him like. Yeah, but go now he's off mowing like Laz's grass. If he does that, Laz is the rant guy. 
Yeah, that's true. La- but also, Laz doesn't need a time limit. He just goes. He just goes. Uh, that's all right. Well, we we got to go. That does it for the Monday edition of the pod. Julian, man, this hour and whatever, 20 minutes, hour and Ding. 10 minutes just flew by. What was that no- you know, what noise did you just make? Like a, I tried to do like a, like a well, you know, I don't know, like a, hey. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's flying by. I love it. I I, I, I always think the, I always think doing these hours with you are great. So I, I I'm always happy to do these, and uh, I can't wait for uh, tomorrow's episode. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Thanks for listening to the Monday edition of the podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating, review, review. We certainly appreciate that. You can follow us on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. As I mentioned, we're back on Tuesday. Mike Russo and LA Kings head coach Todd McClellan. We'll talk to you.